This week's episode of Butcher's Breakaway is brought to you by, as always, our Patreon subscribers. Could not do it without you. Seriously, we're thinking of some big ideas come for the next t-shirt rally if you guys are interested. Uh, could be a Christmas sweater. Holiday. Sorry, Greg. Um, but make sure you go to our Patreon uh, website, subscribe to us there. And also brought to you by, speaking of doing designs for our, our websites and all of our podcasts, our Empirical Designs. Our good friend Nick does all of our artwork, does all of our t-shirts, did some of our stickers. In the past, uh, our friend Dean did it this time. Sorry, sorry, Nick. Uh, but Nick does a great job. So if you have any need branding or design work, go to his website, empiricaldesigns.net, and he'll help you out. All right, let's get to this show. Good show today. Me and Greg go into a lot of topics, and our good friend Brian Wotanik is on the show from the Garden Faithful. Here we go. Take two. I recorded that. I don't know why. Hey, Bushers Breakaway fans. Welcome to another week of Bushers Breakaway. I'm your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. And as always, Greg, say hello. I'm so disappointed in you. Yeah, because we're recording again? Because we, we, yeah. got, we got rid of the first recording? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's because there was like, some personal information in there, Greg. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Hello, everyone. Welcome oh, to the Week of Rangers podcast. We are this week recording uh, not from a cell phone. But That's from, impressive. Good for you. Listen, I'm back. I'm just back in action. I got a new computer. Not a new mm-hmm. recased computer that works. Uh, actually turns on, so that's a positive. And I'm in a newly painted room. Hey, uh, you get a cool text message? Uh, yeah, Ted's texting me about the Mets GM. How's search. Ted doing? Uh, he's good. That's he's good. good. Ted update. We're, we're talking about the uh, yeah the Mets GM search. Yeah, okay. Uh, we'll t- we'll talk about that later because I got a lot of I got a lot of feelings about the Mets. Whoa. Basically, Hold asking on, an agent. You seriously? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, the GM search is actually really fucking interesting, but the problem is, we'll, we'll save it for the end. Yeah, this is way too early. Let's on. save it for when uh, our guest comes on today. We have a lot to talk about with that person, sure, that, and that person sure. is Brian Wotanik, our good dear friend from the Garden Faithful podcast. I haven't had him on in a while. Too. It's been a while. It's been a while, as Stained would say, um, in the famous song from the early two thousands. Mm. Good reference there. Oh, uh, Rangers. This team is doing, and stop me if you've heard this before. Living up to all expectations. I yeah, no, it's almost as if we knew exactly what. The funny thing is, so the end result is exactly what we expected. The way they're getting to the end result is a little different than what I thought it would be. It's well, the way it's different is that, with the exception of the Flames game last night or two nights ago, whenever you're listening to this, the team itself has been competitive. The they were that, competitive last night too. What are you talking about? Well, okay, they, I, they, it, couldn't, they couldn't catch a break. The game, that, the, the game, they played really well. You're correct in saying that. Yeah, they they outplayed the Flames last night. I don't. I the final score says they lost by three, but it just it, felt like a blowout when I was watching it. It just felt like one of those nights when like everything was going in for the other team when turnovers happened, like right away. Yeah, but they for sixty minutes last night they outplayed the Calgary Flames. Sometimes you just don't win those games, and sometimes. The score is more lopsided than you would think. It's it's like, uh, well, what what's a comparison? It, it's like you're in a close end of the end of regulation basketball game. It's like a one possession game, but you start missing start missing your layups and you have to foul. And all of a sudden, the final score says you lost by nine or ten points. But it was never a nine or ten point game. Just because you lost ninety nine eighty nine doesn't mean you got blown out. Right, that's true. It, it it's amazing that this team, and I, I believe I saw the hockey stat miner stat of the day, which was it has an eight percent chance to make the playoffs. I would reduce that down to zero personally, but 
this team is in every single game. They're competitive. They're scrappy. Yeah, they can't sink a puck for the life of them. I do sink really. A puck? Sink Who the a... fuck says sink a puck? Me guy, sink a puck. Sink a puck. Sink a puck. Uh, explain, explain your rationale for saying that. You put the... Did I make a basketball reference and it got in your head? Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> um, but they are paying great tribute to the once great Ranger, Rick Nash, by going out there and getting great chances and not putting it in the net. And I really appreciate that about this Rangers team. It kind of is remarkable how many offensive opportunities the Rangers have had that they're just, I wouldn't say they're not capitalizing on it's, it. The puck's just not getting past the goaltender. So yeah, I guess they're not capitalizing. Um, it's, it, it's insane. The, when you, when you said that the Rangers are living up to expectations and I said that, yeah, every, the Rangers are in a position in the standings we all expected them to be. When the season started, I expected the Rangers to score. And the Rangers are doing a great job of creating scoring opportunities. They're just not scoring. Jimmy Jimmy VC case is leader in the clubhouse of if a Ranger has a if anyone has a puck in a dangerous scenario, do I expect them to score? And the answer is no, because it's Jimmy VC. He how many opportunities is that guy going to get that he's not going to bury? And the crazy thing is, he actually has more goals than um, his expected goals would suggest on the season, which means he's overperforming. And it blows my mind. I feel like he should have seven goals by this point in the season. And I think he's got, what, two, three? Yeah, it's it's around there. He's been, it's so funny looking back to the preseason. Just, we're, we're saying, you know, Jimmy Vesey hasn't been that good. And he has been for this team, but he has the chances. And everyone, I mean, Quinn even said we're snake bitten right now, right? Like, he knows the whole team, like, would love to, as the cool kids say, sink a puck. Um, oh, I gotta stop saying that. That was terrible. <laughs> yeah, you need to. Do. It doesn't sound good. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Out. No. This is how I know you're a sociopath. Yeah, that's true. Okay, Greg, thanks so much. Why don't you write me a long letter and let me know? I might. Um, I might appreciate that. <laughs> um, let's talk about the Rangers who have been performing, other than Jimmy VC. Hey, Neil Pionk, what's up, man? We're good friends now. You, I want you on this team for a long time. For the, if you're gonna play that way, the three assist game for Pionk was was that the most impressive Ranger performance of the season so far? Uh... Yes and no. Um, it definitely opened some eyes, but I, I, I do think, and I, I don't think all credit should go to Brady Shea, but there hasn't been a better player on the Rangers this year than Brady Shea, and that includes the stupid fucking decision he made against the Flames. So where, can we do sidebar real quick on that? Yeah, on let's, the, side, let's sidebar. I, I can't remember the last time I've seen something that stupid happen on the ice. Okay, so explain, explain to Ryan, a nice little yeah. segment here. Okay. How, how did the refs not stop that play? Why should they stop the play? It was a clean hit. They were, but they were just laying on the ice. <laughs> like every... well, I don't think it's the refs' responsibility to bail Brady Shea out of making a stupid decision. They called, they called the penalty on immediately, and you let the Flames play on the advantage. It's not basketball. If a foul happens in basketball, you don't you stop the play. It's it's not that you give the it's like soccer. You give the team the advantage, and if the team takes advantage, more power to them. It's not the ref's responsibility to bail the Rangers out of Brady Shea making a horrific decision. That that's that's not the referee's job. I, Everything that happened in that play is one hundred percent on Brady Shea. I and, respect Brady Shea for doing what he's doing. Maybe he he knew like, hey, we kind of lost this game already. I, I, I don't really no. I, you know, I'll go. I don't really respect Brady Shea for making a decision because it's kind of boneheaded. Is what you're saying? Yeah, it was it was stupid. If 
Imagine for a second someone not named Brady Shea doing that. Like, I don't know, Cody McLeod or Mark Stahl. Yeah. Would, Guys, we love the shit out. I would flame them. We would have spent I'm, the first I'm actually going to, of, I'm actually going to flame would, Mark Stahl in like five minutes from now. So, yeah. Yeah, but we would have spent the first 15 minutes of this podcast being like, that guy doesn't deserve to be in the NHL. Brady Shea has been the best Ranger this season. He's been one of the t- 10 best players in hockey, um, according to Evolving Wild's goals above replacement stat. Okay. He's been fantastic. <laughs> that doesn't excuse him for making one of the stupidest plays I've ever seen a New York Ranger make. And we've lived through a lot of stupid eras for that to be true. It was, it was, it was, it was dumb. It was a dumb play and it cost the Rangers a goal. It absolutely did. And it was just such a weird, it was very bizarre moment. Like just the, the camera pans back and Shay's just on the floor and you're like, and the guy gets up and he just sticks his hands up and he's celebrating and Shay's just looking at him. It's like, uh, what, what a weird moment. Just, in time, like I, I can't remember the last time I saw something like that. Watching, I can't, re- I can't recall a moment where I, I saw that from a ranger. I, I don't. I'm sure it. I'm sure other fan bases have moments where similar instances have happened. I cannot recall since we've started podcasting a scenario where something like that transpired that immediately hurt the Rangers. Just so strange. Um, but I, but going, going back, going back to Neil Pionk, which is how we got on this topic. Yes, Mr. Pionk. Uh, he's, he's been, he's been great since he's been inserted back into the lineup, which once again, leads you to think that maybe just maybe when a guy gets benched by David Quinn, it's not exactly a, you've been bad sit. It's been a, here's what I need you to work on. Here's how I need you to work on it. When I get you back in the lineup, you're going to earn it. And then it's up to you to stay there kind of thing. Uh, he's been great, which at the same time, if I'm going to give David Quinn for not just sitting Pionk down telling him what he needs to do, and then Pionk actually doing it. I uh, have to have to mark the ledger a little bit. I don't know why Quinn's breaking up Pionk and Shea for tomorrow night's game. It seems a little strange, right? He's putting them back with Stahl, if I read correctly? Yes. Uh, the lines were Shea McQuaid, Stahl, Pionk, uh, Smith, Shattenkirk. And don't don't doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um at all. I, I, I just I So I don't mind Smith Shattenkirk. That's not something that bothers no, me. No, but it's one of those things where McQuaid's in the lineup because Clayson's hurt. And Clayson and we guess, should we should mention that Clayson is now out for two to three weeks. Right. And we don't know what the injury is, we just know it's an upper body in, upper body injury. I still don't understand why NHL teams feel like they need to hide the whatever injury these players have yeah it is it's strange. the only sport that does it I, I don't get it like we, we've talked about this in the podcast before and our reasoning and, and more uh behind it was pretty much well they don't want other players like taking advantage of that but i mean they tell it in football right and i'm pretty sure football, they take basketball baseball soccer they, literally every other major american sport everyone or, else takes advantage of it it's not it's a dirty move if an opposing player takes advantage of another player's injury. At the same time, uh, if you're the team, maybe just don't play an injured player. Then he won't be taken advantage of. Like wait until he's healthy. I, it's just confusing. I don't know who. I don't. I really don't know who benefits from not knowing what Freddie Clayson's injury is because I don't know. He's not playing, so it's not like the opposing team gives a shit. The opposing team gives a shit if the guy's in the lineup or not. If he's not in the lineup. They don't care. And maybe the rationale there is, well, if the other team's not going to care, then why tell them? But I, it's 2018. We should just know what, what's hurting a player. Yeah, I, I know everything about all the players. Every, like, I know everything about a lot of NBA players' lives, period. 
but I don't know anything I, about I, anyone. I know I know what certain parts of my body are because the Mets keep getting new ones hurt. <laughs> so like I discover I discover what an intercostal strain is because six Mets are on the disabled list for two months f- with one. Right, uh, and the hand, I know what, handful I know of mouth each, disease. I know what each ligament in my thumb is called because someone slid in the second base incorrectly and tore it. Like, I don't know. It just, I guess it's one of those weird things where I shouldn't be angry because at the end of the day, what does it matter? I'm not Freddie Clayson who gives a shit. At the same time, why hide it? It, it feels like a stupid thing to hide. Just to be difficult, I guess, is, is what it comes down to at the end of the day. I don't know. I'm sure it would be interesting for us to get a former coach on and for, and for have him explain to us why injuries are just classified as upper body and lower body. And I would love to know. Any former coach out there that's listening right now, you want to get on here, you come on and defend yourself. Hey, Elaine Vigneault knows he's got an invite, a rolling invite every week. That's me chewing gum. Um, that's how you chew gum? You sound like a moron. Well, I, that's most of the time, Greg, according to you. Yeah, well, yep, sociopath. Man. Oh, my God. It's a twofer. A twofer. All right, back to the Rangers. So, yeah. Neil Pionk is good. We're, we, we're confirmed on that one. That's yeah. uh, Just keep him in the lineup. Just, I would love him to play with Brady Shea. Like, it, it, again, but that this, leaves this you with McQuaid Stahl. And, like, can that even play? At the same time, who cares if it can't play? I, I don't. I love it. Greg, if, I had, if you had to ask me, what's the optimal way you'd like this Ranger season to go? So far... It has almost gone that way a hundred percent. Right, like every, everything that we want to happen has happened. The young kids are playing all right. Hank's Hank, and they're not getting even the games again. Like they like to the Flames, they lose by three, but they were for a large portion of that game the better team that night. So it, I don't, I don't know. It's it's just one of those things where we're, we're talking Rangers defense. You have four capable defenders. Why not just play the four guys together? Just Shea Pionk was working. You needed a – if I'm David Quinn, I'm trying to figure out what else can work. But if I know Shea, Quinn is work, Shea Pionk is working, why don't I just be like, all right, that's the one thing I'm good with all night. Let me figure everything else out. Well, let's talk about the purple elephant in the room, which is Tony D'Angelo. I mean, this is a kid that uh, – by the way, he wasn't the focal point of the step-on trade. It's everything I've heard over the past couple of days. It's been like, guys, he's not the focal point. But he, he's somebody that should be playing, right? He, he's just not getting a shot right now at, so, at all. It, it, it's it, like you said, it's become like the hot button issue. Right. And there, there are two things we need to talk about. We need to talk about one, why is Tony D'Angelo not playing? And then we need to talk about two, the Derek Stepan trade, because those two things I think are different, but you travel down the road long enough and either one of them, you're going to intersect. Um, so let's, let's start with why isn't D'Angelo playing. And if you got, you guys listen to us, you know exactly where Ryan and I stand before the season started. We said the Rangers should have penciled in, Three right-handed defensemen every night, and it should have been Shattenkirk, um, D'Angelo, and Pionk. That's it. Those should have just been the three guys. Then even when they traded for McQuaid, we were still saying, Tony D'Angelo needs to play. It's that simple. Got to figure out what he has. The thing that sticks out to me, and um, it's something David Quinn has said multiple times in post-practice press conferences where I feel like he's talking directly to a, just a couple of players. And, and it's the, if you want to get back in the lineup, you have to show me something that I'm specifically looking for in practice. And if I'm not seeing it in practice, if you're not wowing me in practice, then I'm not going to be given a reason to put you back in the lineup. And spade is a spade, Ryan. Tony D'Angelo is the same guy who sulked, 
kind of moped about getting sent down to Hartford last year. Definitely took him longer to get in the swing of things in Hartford than it should have, given his skill that he does possess. And pedigree. He, it, at some point in time, we are not in that locker room. We are not at practice. We are not seeing everything that this coaching staff sees on a consistent basis. And the Rangers coaching staff is not the first coaching staff in the NHL to be like, what's going on with Tony D'Angelo? No, flunked out of Tampa Bay, the organization that drafted him. The third, yeah. And he flunked out of Arizona. So, and fair is fair, Elaine Vigneault didn't see anything in the last year either. So he's had three previous coaching staff say, he's not doing enough for me to play him. And I, I, I 100% get the whole just play him and see what happens. Because, again, this, is, this season is all about figuring out the pieces of the future. And where you and I sit, we don't know the whole puzzle with Tony D'Angelo. We, we don't know. You and I don't know. No. We, we have seen enough to say there's something intriguing there. There's obvious things he brings to the ice and obvious things he has to work on. Like defense. You, Actual right. defense. You and I would like to find out once and for all what there is with Tony D'Angelo. When we say that, I don't think you and I consider that there's a strong possibility. David Quinn has already figured out everything he needs to figure out with Tony D'Angelo. It's and it. I, I mean, we. I do consider that a little bit because it kind of seems like he has done that already, right? It's like he's not giving him a chance. He's playing McQuaid over him all the time. I, I mean, I know D'Angelo can't play great defense, but I want to. I want to see him on a twenty-game stretch. Is that so much to ask for a, a year where you're looking to see if you have gems or not? Obviously, it might, it, it might be. It, it is probably. But now, what do you do? Because if you send him down, he's not going to clear waivers. Well, this is this is the thing that I think the Rangers need to take a step back and really take a long, hard look with. I one hundred percent understand not wanting to give up an asset, which Tony D'Angelo still is. I, I don't think he's a highly valued asset, but you don't want to give up an asset for nothing, even if you can get like a sixth round pick back for him. Which is also the same reason why Adam McQuaid plays still. Because the Rangers look at Adam McQuaid and say, we are going to get a higher draft pick back for this man than we gave up to get him. I still don't so, think that's true. I, we live in a world where just last week, Larry Brooks said Freddie Clayson might get the Rangers a second round pick. So if, if I like Freddie Clayson, he's played well for the Rangers since he got into the lineup. If you told me before the season that the defenseman the Rangers signed for less than $800,000 off the free agent scrap heap, was going to get them a second-round pick this year, I would have laughed at you. I, but I still almost want to laugh at you. I, 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 do, I do too, but at the same time, it's the NHL. Like, weird shit happens in the NHL. The Islanders gave up third-round picks for a guy they ended up scratching two weeks later. Nick Holden didn't play in the playoffs. You're right. It is very strange league that we and, covered. And the Rangers got a prospect with Nick Holden too. Not a great prospect, but still a body that plays about as well as Nick Holden. Or, like it's yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It, the Rangers have to be convinced that Adam McQuaid is going to get them a third round pick back if they eat half his salary. If that if they're not convinced of that, he shouldn't be playing. The fact that he's playing makes me think Jeff Gordon looks at Adam McQuaid and says that guy's a draft pick, a better one than I gave up. So I'll, I'm going to make sure I hold on to him. I don't think Tony D'Angelo is that guy anymore. Again, because we're we're not just talking performance. It's one thing to talk about a a 22-year-old defenseman's performance and criticize that. Tony D'Angelo has done himself no favors over the years. 
either with his on ice demeanor or his off ice demeanor. And that is not even a comment about his political leanings. I don't give a fuck what these guys' political leanings are. They, it's not my business. Nope. I can disagree with it. Stick to we can have a conversation with them about it. I don't care. It, that's, that's not, I don't think opposing GMs give a shit who Tony D'Angelo voted for, especially that opposing GM plays, I don't know, in a different country. Um, it's not important. What is important is how Tony D'Angelo has conducted himself on the ice with his own teammates, his interactions with referees, and the effort that he either does or does not put in on a nightly basis in practice. Those are things that are strikes against Tony D'Angelo that people give a shit about. And there might be 10 to 15 other teams in the NHL that are saying, hey, if that guy's exposed to waivers, he's not going to cost us anything against the cap. We will carry him as a seventh defenseman. Maybe we can fix him. But there's a big difference between we'll try and fix him for free and I will give up something to try and fix him. I don't think who's giving up anything to fix him is really my question. I don't know. I don't know. And it, I, it would be look, a, if there was Ryan, if there was someone that was willing to give up something for Tony D'Angelo, I don't think he'd be on this roster. The thing is, like, we're aren't we the perfect team for Tony D'Angelo? A rebuilding team that has nothing to lose, that could play him at first just try and get some sort of value out of it. You don't have to have him as a long term asset here to be part of the rebuild. I'm not saying that. You could see if he has any value to trade him in the future, just like we're doing for McQuaid. And maybe that's the case once we trade McQuaid. Um, but I mean that that midseason dump is coming, and it, it's it's very clear. Uh, everyone. The coming. other, but the other side of the coin that you just asked, Ryan, is if you're the other 30 teams in the NHL and you're looking at the New York Rangers, who have decided that Tony D'Angelo is not good enough to break their defensive starting lineup, aren't you also think, thinking to yourself that team should be perfect for Tony D'Angelo? Why aren't they playing him? That's a good point. So if, if the New York Rangers aren't going to play Tony D'Angelo, who is? Why should well, who is? Yeah, no. Why should the Toronto Maple Leafs play Tony D'Angelo if the New York Rangers aren't going to? Why should the San Jose Sharks or the bad example because they got defensemen coming out of their ass? Yes, they do. Why why should the Boston Bruins play Tony D'Angelo if the New York Rangers aren't to? The the Vegas Golden Knights, um, the Edmonton Oilers. Oh my teams, god! If, if Tony D'Angelo was a Golden Knight and he replaced Nick Holden, I would throw a fit. I'd just laugh. I would throw. I, I would. I wouldn't be angry about it. So but if you're those other teams and you're looking at how the Rangers are deploying their roster, and every night you see, you, you you're you're not just seeing Tony D'Angelo scratch, but you're seeing like he's not getting a chance to get back in the lineup. I don't know why you would look at that situation and go, "No, it'll work for us." If it's not working for the Rangers, I don't know how you can make the argument that it's going to work for someone else. We we said that David Quinn was the perfect coach to try and get something out of Tony D'Angelo. David Quinn has told Tony, according to basically the questions asked in the media scrums, David Quinn has made it perfectly clear to Tony D'Angelo what he has to do to get back in this lineup. The only consistent theme we're seeing is D'Angelo is not getting back in the lineup. At some point, we need to stop asking ourselves, why isn't Tony D'Angelo back in the lineup? And start asking ourselves, why is Tony D'Angelo not making this decision more difficult for the coaching staff it seems like it's really easy and that's what's concerning like he's made it really easy on the coaching staff to make like just sit him down like is he not pushing himself in practice is he not showing something that quinn likes we how many games has he played two yes uh it just that's just not enough for a team that's rebuilding i just especially so quinn has made it clear that he he will scratch anybody if you're not trying right i just about it all Every forward you would expect to be on the periphery and Pavel Buchnevich, who 
apparently needed to give more effort from David Quinn, he'll scratch anyone. He scratched Shattenkirk. He scratched Pionk. And Pionk has come back in the lineup and looked great. So it, I don't think well, we can I, I think even, I think even Booch has responded, by the way. I, um, I, Booch, Booch has been better. Booch has definitely been better. I, I, I still think Booch has things to work on in his game. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think credit where credit is due. Booch has been better. And credit, honestly, Ryan, credit where credit is due. Cody McLeod hasn't been a dumpster fire. Yeah, I know. He hasn't He hasn't been a problem. So like it's it's it still just, not great that he's here, but he's not the worst thing to ever happen to the New York Rangers. Interesting plug section um, for uh, our advertisers who are not our advertisers. Um, the Athletic, I was reading uh, Rick Carpinello's article today, you know, like a puppy. And uh, we'll get into that. Um, and his third star for the Rangers was Cody McLeod. It's like, whoa. That's weird. Yeah. It, on one hand, Cody McLeod hasn't been awful, right? At the other end, we have to remember ourselves when we say Cody McLeod is exceeding expectations. It's because we didn't set expect. Our expectation was he was going to be a dumpster fire. And we're like, hey, instead, he's kind of like a like a recently blown out match thrown into a garbage can. It's kind of like I, I went to Taco Bell and they served me authentic Mexican food. That's even. No, that's too much, actually. Yeah, you're giving him a little bit. That's too that's much too much credit. <laughs> you're, you're giving him a smidge of too much credit. Yeah, it's like uh, it, it. You you went you went to Taco Bell and they got your order correct. Mm, okay, that's fair. That's good. I, that feels like more like you went to Checkers and they got your order correct. I feel like Taco Bell. I've never been. Good. I've never been. Do people go to Checkers. Yeah, the, the fries are good, but you're never getting the right order. Okay, uh, never been. So you would know better than I. It's true. Um, yeah. And players seem to be responding to Quinn's coaching, which is how we got on this little tangent here, right? It's also interesting to watch Quinn when they show highlights of him on the bench and he's actually speaking to players. He's active. Yeah, like he like you could tell like Booch is like stop talking to me a little bit, but like he's coaching Booch and he's like, Hey, here's what you're doing out there, this is what you need to be doing. And like I didn't I haven't seen that in years. Right. So I don't so weird. You everybody who listens knows where you and I stand on D'Angelo. We would prefer for him to be in the lineup just because he's twenty two. And you and I would like to see him more. Uh, at the same time, I'm ready to ad- to admit that um, I don't think any player should get to play just for the sake of playing. So if he's if if the coaching staff has decided that Tony D'Angelo isn't earning it on a nightly basis, I have to believe that. Considering what we've seen from David Quinn to this point, I have to believe the coaching staff. I, they see him every day, right? We're not the professionals. As much as we want, they, as much as we want to be, we're not at the practices. We're not at the, off the ice. You know, maybe there's a chance. You know, and I want, I don't want to rule this out. And this is, you know, allegedly. Let's just say there's a chance Tony D'Angelo is a dick, and no one likes him, and no one wants to play with him. I mean, that happened to other players in the past. You know, if it's if if other players don't want to play with the guy, maybe that's the case. I'm not sure. And anyone who wants to say, well, if he's a dick and nobody wants to play with him, that doesn't matter. Sean Avery was a dick, but Sean Avery also worked his ass off. So you, you kind of lived with that kind of pest. And there are plenty of other players in the NHL who are like that. I'm, I'm sure coaching staffs look at a guy like Radko Gudis, and Gudis has to work his ass off in practice because winning teams keep thinking to themselves that he's a guy they need in order to win the cup. He's, he's a terrible hockey player to watch. But he's got to be doing something to keep getting chances. Whatever that something is that Aradko Gudis is doing, Tony D'Angelo must not be doing it because this is the fourth different regime that has basically said 
I can't do anything with this guy. Speaking of Sean Avery, by the way, his podcast ever do anything? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, Ryan, you're a bigger podcast guy than I. Yeah, he uh, he came out the other day. He was like, you know, all these all these fucking nerd podcasters. Oh, here it is. Uh, uh, September seventh. Great job. I'm also starting a podcast, which will become obviously the best in sports. I can't listen to all that garbage anymore. Sean, man, if you just come on, just come on the show. It's really not that hard. We'll, we'll hang out. <laughs> I just go. It's it's both of us responding to him immediately. Um, just come on the show. Just fend yourself. It's fine. So that's that's Tony D'Angelo. What's happening on the ice right now? Everything always goes back to the step on trade, right? Everything. For better or for worse. Yeah. And like, this is a point, it's, a, it's a point I talked about on the podcast last week where, and I stand by it, just because at the time we thought that Tony D'Angelo was an important part of that trade doesn't mean that Tony D'Angelo was an important part of that trade. I think, uh, you know, I, I hate how much I'm quoting Rick Carpinello here, but I am. Um, Rick like was talking to people on Twitter like he's just like dude he wasn't part of the trade he was a throw in he's always been a throw in that was it I I I want to I I Rick knows I love him I know um, I wouldn't call D'Angelo a throw in but he sure does feel like one of five people the Rangers named on a list and said we're doing this trade for the seventh overall pick but we also need one of these five names. And whoever you and feel comfortable sending us, we will take. Four of the other names were Keller, and the fifth one was D'Angelo. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know. But my point, my point on um, the trade, there are plenty of reasons to dislike that trade. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think hanging your hat on the, well, the only proven NHL player, because, they, they, I mean, he wasn't even proven at the time. The only under contract player the Rangers got in that deal was Tony D'Angelo. That's not the hat to hang on because – if you go back to the moment, there are multiple scenarios where the Rangers still do that trade without Tony D'Angelo in it. I don't think there's a scenario where they do that trade without the seventh overall pick. Absolutely. And we, we said this last week, not to you know be a broken record. It was, it was really seriously about starting the rebuild and getting off Stepan's contract before the no movement clause. Right. I, you can have plenty of problems with that trade. Tony D'Angelo should be about the maybe sixth or seventh biggest problem you have on the trade. The first is um, you shouldn't have been selling so low on Derek Stepan. You shouldn't have been that motivated to move that contract, given not just the state of the Rangers' depth at center at the time, but the going rate for top six centers and like Derek Stepan was. on the free yeah, agent market. Absolutely. And um, I think the second that, thing is uh, – you can, you, we've talked about this before. I think you, you could still question drafting, drafting Leas at that spot. Right. Well, I don't think you question drafting Leas. I just don't think you should be that confident that you're going to get your guy at seven. Yeah. I, if, if, you have, if you have a guy that you really want and you're realizing that the best pick you can get is the seventh overall, the Rangers, until they're blue in the face, will say that Leas Anderson was their guy. It, look, I, I would bet – Millions upon millions of dollars where if the Rangers had a choice between Elias Pedersen and Leas Anderson, they're going with Pedersen. I don't think Pedersen uh, ever made it to seventh. But again, the Rangers must have thought that there was a chance he could have. Otherwise, I don't understand why you're – you never trade up to give yourself a better chance at a player. You trade up to get your player. So if, if the Rangers need to be sure, if Leas Anderson was their guy, great. If Leas Anderson wasn't their guy – but you've decided that the highest you can trade up in this draft is seventh overall. That's poor strategy. That's a problem. Yeah, it. That's and we're, we're these are still problems that we can 
You, we can have negative opinions about the Derek Stepan trade without saying that Tony D'Angelo is the problem here. The, the Rangers did a lot of things wrong in the Stepan trade. They also traded extremely low on, on Ranta, who's emerged as one of the 10 best goaltenders in the NHL. So th- there's a lot of issues with Derek Stepan trade. And ex- extremely low is mind- probably, by the way, being kind. I, I Just uh, the whole Talbot, trading off Talbot, not that Talbot was any great shakes or has been, but trading off Talbot and Ranta for the value they've traded for, it just feels like you could get more. And maybe I just don't know anything. Well, the goalie trade market is just depressed. Just like the goalie draft market is depressed. The fact that the Rangers got as much heat as they did for taking a goalie in the second round, part of that was because it sure felt like the Rangers could have gotten the same guy in the third round because everyone's now afraid to draft goalies. The the value in goalies, either prospect or um, proven quantities in the NHL is just low. Ben Bishop didn't go for much. Uh, Scott Darling didn't go for much. Uh, Mazanic didn't go for much. Or Mraznik. He didn't go wow, for I much. I corrected you. That's weird. Well, I don't think it's Mraznik either. I think it's Mraznik. Cool. We both suck. Yeah, so we both suck. Um, when's the last time a prime goaltender was traded for anything we would consider of significant NHL value? I can tell you the next time it'll happen. I can't. Because Henrik's not going anywhere. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Like, Henrik Lundqvist loves New York. He's not I leaving. He's never leaving. I, I, um, I don't blame him whatsoever. Yeah, it, it, the, the goalie market is, is, is difficult to, to judge. But already, those are three things that are more important to the Derek Stepan trade than Tony D'Angelo. It's you don't need to trade Stepan. You don't need to trade Stepan for that little. You don't acquire the seventh overall pick unless you're guaranteed to get the guy that you absolutely want. And no one is convinced that the Rangers did. And you don't trade that low on Ranta. I can name a couple more things before we get to D'Angelo. It's just D'Angelo was not the hill to die on in, in, in this Derek Stepan trade was bad. There's plenty of things the Rangers, to be angry about everyone. It, right. The Rangers had there. to know. The Rangers had to know that when they acquired Tony D'Angelo, they were getting a lottery ticket. And when people hear the term lottery ticket, they usually only think of the good things. They always forget that it's a one in 52 million chance that that lottery ticket's going to actually cash you money. That's why you never play the Powerball. I why see. we're here. Never play the fucking Powerball. Okay. Yeah. It's the biggest scam in the United history of the United States. My mother is on vacation. Bless her soul. She went and saw giraffes in case anyone was wondering. Just, Weren't we supposed to go with her? So she's not in Nashville. We're, we, okay. we, we, we still need to do that. Yes, I'm aware. Um, she was in Disney World, which also I don't really understand. But And, and I, I don't want to say that in front of Woj because he'll kill me. Uh, but she kept texting me like, Ryan, the... Powerball is over a billion dollars. Make sure you go buy a ticket. For what? Like if 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 we won a million dollars, my life would be changed. And there's it's always over a million dollars. So why um, is it that it's over a billion that's like an incentive driver? No, it's uh you have a better chance of getting struck by lightning on the same day twice than you do winning the Powerball. There there are so many different things. It's at, people need to take this advice because no one is more irresponsible with money. Oh, no my one God. is a bigger people degenerate have, gambler. I, we've almost got personal a bunch of this podcast, and I will not do it. But people have no idea. <laughs> if you want to ask, if you want to ask me, what's the most irresponsible thing I've done with money in the last six months in person? I'll be happy to tell you. And I um, hope I'm there. But it is Jesus uh, Christ. It uh, it it it's the looks that people have given me when they find out what I did that night. Um, I almost shake me to my core because <laughs> I, I can see it shaking you to your core. Yes. Um, I almost fainted. Yeah. Again, how do you think I felt? Buddy? <laughs> uh, 
I could not be more irresponsible with money if I tried. And that's why I am for Patreon you, subscribers, I handle I am I am telling you, if you want to play the Powerball, just send me the money and I will put it to better use. Because you're you're loot you're not getting that money back. You're not winning the Powerball. And if you want to just blow two dollars. Just throw it my way, and I will find something fun to do with it. Yeah, our, well, I'll post our Venmos in uh, this week's this week's episode. You can just send us your Powerball money, and we'll say it's, no. It's it, it's it's dumb. You're you're not going to win it. And for whatever reason, when we think of in a sports trade that player X is in this deal and he's an absolute lottery ticket, we always have a very positive view of what that lottery ticket could be. More times than not, even in sports, that lottery ticket doesn't cash and Tony D'Angelo is not cashing. No, so it, it's tough. That's what happens when you acquire a lottery ticket more times than not. It's not going to cash when it cashes. It's great because you realize, Oh shit, I had this lottery ticket. I didn't really have expectations for it, but now I have this great thing. And when the lottery ticket doesn't cash, you can't just be there and be angry and say, well, why did I waste that money? No one told you to waste that money. You did that on your own. <laughs> you did it. It was your decision. You, you picked the numbers and everything. Uh, and yeah, it's just everything that's happening with Tony D'Angelo is tough. I would prefer him to be in the lineup every night because if the Rangers are going to be bad, let's at least be bad with a 22-year-old that maybe possibly, most likely not, though, could be something. Yeah. Instead, the Rangers are choosing to be bad with an over 30-year-old right-handed defenseman that Jeff Gordon is convinced he will get a better draft pick for. And also Marshall, by the way, who had multiple terrible plays this whole week. Yeah. Um, let, let's talk about Stahl because I think we're done with it. You don't have anything else to say about D'Angelo, right? No, like, the, this only, is, the only thing I want to say is that I, I'm still convinced that no matter what the Rangers say, that Leas wasn't their guy. I'm, I'm right there with I, the more It's a lot easier I to like say. I like Leas a lot. I think he's going to be a fine NHL player. It's easier to say a year later. Uh, when Middlestad went right after, and two players I would want went right before Leas, which is in, in Cody Glass. Mid- Middlestad has been bad, by the way. I know, I know. He's been really terrible. And there have been a lot of indications that Middlestad has been everything we've thought he's going to be at this point in time. So I wouldn't compare in the middle. I, th- I think as time goes on, and Elliot Friedman has mentioned this, it sounds more and more like the Rangers really wanted Pedersen. At the same time, if that's the case, the Rangers had to know that Pedersen wasn't getting past five. And if they just said, let's get seven just in case he does. Just in case. That makes that's, no sense. That's, that's really – like I, I, I think the one thing that's going to become clearer as we do this podcast this year now that the further we get away from the Elaine Vino era, Jeff Gordon has put a target on his back. And we're going to be much more critical of the moves or non-moves that he makes moving forward. So – as more things come out... Because this is his baby. He's trying right. to build the dynasty. Quinn's just the thing, steering the ship. The thing that's saving Gorton a little bit is Heedle at 21. Because that looks better and better every day. And Quite a lot, yes. Kra- Kravtsov has looked really good in the KHL, too. <laughs> so there, there are things in the draft saving Jeff Gorton right now. Yeah, but Kravtsov looks I, good. If, if the Rangers really want Pedersen at 7, and they knew more likely than not that he was not going to be there at seven. And they said, fine, let's do it anyway. That's a big red flag. But I'm pretty sure, and it may be correct me if I'm wrong. I, I, I'm going back and this doesn't matter uh, way far. I, I'm pretty sure there was rumors the Rangers were looking to trade with Vancouver. And Vancouver said no. That was a big part of it. Well, I, because I think the Rangers realized if they wanted to get their guy, that's the spot they needed to get to in the draft. 
And there's a reason why the Canucks said no. It's because they also wanted that guy. And they got him. So, and turns out, by the way, he's good. He's really good. Yeah. He's really good. Matheson should have been suspended for more than two fucking games, too. That stupid fucking play. Let's and Mark Stahl, needs to get smarter. Then we'll go to our interview. Then we'll come back and do some Mets for you. Sure. Uh, there is two lines of thought about Mark Stahl. There's our line of thought about Mark Stahl, which is he's just not a good NHL player anymore. For no knock on him, he he's just he's been he's suffered too many injuries. Yep, too many blows to the head. He's just not the same guy at age 31 that he was at age 26. That's, and that's, that's not even that like I don't think that's being harsh to Mark Stahl. No, no, and it 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 for the most part it's not Mark Stahl's fault because I bet you he's trying every day and he's working his fucking ass off to be the player he was in his prime. It's just not there for him. It's kind of like Dale Murphy. Not the greatest comparison in the world because Dale Murphy won two MVPs. Uh, yeah. But then he turned he turned 32 years old and he couldn't stay on a major league baseball roster anymore. Um, Mark Stahl was a, a top four, arguably top pairing, shutdown defenseman in his prime. And the Rangers won a lot of hockey games because of his play alongside Henrik Lundqvist. And in prime Dan Girardi and a young Ryan McDonough. Rangers got a lot of wins out of them. It, they've just dried up because it's not there for him anymore. But then you have guys who have been around the game a very long time, hockey men, who think Mark Stahl can still go. Good old boys club? And I don't want to say it's an old – because it's uh, – yeah, but yeah. But it, <laughs> don't want to say it, but um, I will right now. Who think Mark Stahl can go? And people are like, well, how can you think that? And then I realized today – we live in a world where the Vegas Golden Knights are giving Nick Holden multi-year contracts. The, the Washington Capitals, the defending Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals, look at a guy like Brooks Orpik and say, he's a value. We'll put him on our defense. Yeah, like still there. There's, there's a disconnect between that guy's not very good and that guy's trying hard. Like you can, I can try my ass off at being an NHL defenseman. It does not mean I'm ever going to be good at it. No, no, no. Uh, um, I, and I just think Mark is a you know prideful player that wants to keep staying on the ice, and I totally understand that. Um, and I think the Rangers know that they're going to be losing a bunch of games, and that's probably one of the reasons they're going to keep playing them, which I, I just wish we would – if that's the case, I, I just don't understand the McQuaid signing still. I just don't get it. The uh, With with Stahl, the one thing that I, I – Or trade, sorry. With the one – again, McQuaid is all about asset management in my mind, and – it goes back to the Rangers clearly thought in training in training camp they only had two right-handed defensemen, and they were Neil Pionk and Kevin Shattenkirk. So I still think the Rangers made their decision about Tony D'Angelo a long time ago. And we you literally just started to sit, talk about it for 20 minutes, so I'm not going to bring it back up here. But as opposed to Stahl, and we always ask the question like, well, if all these other players are getting benched, why isn't it Mark Stahl? All those other players are getting benched, and the one thing that ties them together comes down to effort, right? Mark Stahl, I promise you, is working his ass off and trying. The difference between Mark Stahl trying at 100% is just not as good as, say, Brady Shea trying at 30%. Like it, it's, it's not that Mark Stahl isn't trying. It's just that it's not there. But everything that David Quinn says is, if you bring the effort, you're going to get your spot in the lineup. And I have no doubt in my mind that every day of practice, Mark Stahl brings the effort. It's just not there. And if you're Quinn and you see the effort, it, you, you, you walk a fine line, right? You can't bench a guy for just – I mean, you can bench a guy for just being bad, 100%. But 
uh, I just, I, I honestly believe that David Quinn looks at Mark Stahl and says, that guy hasn't been my worst defenseman this year. And he might be right. He might be right. At the same time, that doesn't mean Mark Stahl's good. It's just going to be a long year. Let's go to Brian. Let's go. Well, just remember, guys, I, I said this last year. I mean it this year. Mark Stahl will not be a New York Ranger in October 2019. It doesn't make it. The timelines are running out with Mark this, Stahl. Last year, I disagreed with you. This year, I, I don't. I don't think you can. You have you have Lindgren and Hayek knocking on the door in Hartford. Um, you 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 got to. I know the Rangers are going to have mountains of cap space, but now's the time to just carry that dead weight contract on your books when you have mountains of cap space. Uh, I, it has nothing to do with Panarin. The Rangers will have money for Panarin with or without Mark Stahl on the roster. It's just Hayek and Lindgren are going to need a spot next year. And you have two more years of Braden, Brendan Smith unless you can trade him. You have five more years of Brady Shea and you don't want to trade him. You're not trading Brady Shea, but I think I think everyone else is on the block. But we have so many other podcasts to talk about that for. Let's go yeah. Let's let's go uh, to our, our dear friend Brian Wotanik, uh, Mr. Wojar himself. And then we'll come back and do some Mets and then we'll end the podcast. All right, transition. We're back <laughs> with our dear friend Brian Wotanik. What's up, man? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a bit a minute. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. Just it's nice to hear your lovely, sultry voice in my no, ear. Dude, my voice is awful. No, like, yeah, I yeah. have top five worst voice of all time. Gotta agree with you both. I, one guy used to call me a chipmunk on cocaine. So I think you and I are really up there on the can't talk list. I sound like a nasally ogre. It's just bad. <laughs> I, it's, 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 I, yeah, it's, no, it's not good. So a chip on okay, cocaine and a, a nasally ogre walk into a bar. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's all right though, Woj. Uh, as soon as people drop your pants and they see the really small PP, that then it just really sends home the point too. <laughs> it works. Raise, that's all, that's all I can ask for. <laughs> raise your podcast. Um, that's kind of what we do. Hey, you want to sponsor us out there? Let us know. Um, <laughs> Moj, it's been it's been a minute. Like I I've listened to a little bit of your podcast that has recently had a renaissance, the Garden Faithful. They're just plugging for you in case you're wondering. Um, I wasn't gonna plug. I feel uh, like we're at the point in our relationship where like it could be next next week, next month, next year. You ask me to come on, I'll try my best to do it. <laughs> so know, it's, it's not even like I know, I know. I, you would come on. I would come on your show whenever you wanted. Um, but at the same time, I just wanted to get get the fucking plug in real quick. Uh, I haven't really like I've listened to some of it, but I want to just get your take so far. Like me and Greg were talking before how this Ranger season has gone exactly pretty much how I wanted it for the most part, with very few exceptions. Are you on the same same train and same brain brainwave thoughts so far? Yeah, it's gone exactly how we all expected it to, <laughs> but to the point where some of the fans and just Twitter in general still doesn't understand what we're doing and what we're going through. We're like, I, I slowly, but surely game by game, it's getting better, but Oh boy, early in the season when we were losing, it was, it wasn't like we were playing a bad either. Like minus probably the Carolina game. And even then you put up five goals, you probably should win a hockey, game, but you don't. Um, and the Twitter's reaction has just been like, wild like they still think we're a team that could be like if we win one game they're like well i had somebody ask me the other day we when we won that i forgot the first game we won they're like well do you think if this team makes a playoff run and i was like what are you talking about make <laughs> a no, playoff run? like no way it's, 
there's the, that's literally the furthest thing. But yeah, no, like it, it's gone exactly how it needs to. They're banking a lot of losses early. You know, I, I I said on our show, like I would like a lot of these overtime games to just lose in regulation. Like, I mean, because they're still playing well. So if they lose in regulation, they lose in regulation. But like the Washington game, for example, that would have been the perfect time for Washington to score like a last second goal and just take the two points in regulation and not give us the pity point. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, it's going to be tough to to tank against Detroit because that team is just awful. <laughs> they, they are really are bad. Terrible. So it's going to be tough. But, I mean, I, I think we're all in the consensus. Like, even after last year when everybody was like, oh, there's only top eight really good prospects. Like, if this team gets a top five pick in general, they're, they're going to be in really good shape. But, yeah, um, the only other note I have on, like, how I thought the season's going to go is I think it's something that we all thought as fans is, like, Henrik Lundqvist is going to make it impossible for this team to be as bad as they need to be. And But, like, luckily the defense is just as bad as advertised. So it's kind of like there's going to be some games where that defense – like, I mean, again, like, the like poor Georgia, but the Carolina game, like, he had no defense and he had a soft game in general. But, like, man like, – Lundqvist is still the king. I don't care what anybody says. And it's it's going to be tough to finish where we want to as fans with him in that. Well, like- the thing the thing that's happening that I wasn't prepared for is I, I wasn't ready for all the forwards to say, uh, we're just going to shoot at pads. Yeah. We're, we're not going to actually try to score. We, we want to give the illusion that we're trying to score without actually scoring. Well, to be fair on that note, and like what I think is something David Quinn has implemented is he's talked about as like a shooter's first mentality. And that's something a lot of these players aren't used to. So like they don't know how to shoot first. And that's why I think you're seeing a lot of those shots go right into the pads or like goalie's chest. And it's just like, all right, well, that was a waste of a fucking possession. But there, I, I was going to count myself to see how long before I swore on this podcast. You guys bring out the worst of me. Yeah, that I know. took three minutes. It took three heckin' minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. I saw it three I'm, hours I'm ago. Absolute... Just, just so everyone is uh, up to date. Oh. Uh, three hours ago from what was just Twitter. I promise I really tried to cut down on my cursing on here and on podcasts and life in general. It's just so heckin' hard as I curse for my last tweet. I need you to hold me accountable. I won't do it. You're fucking here, dude. <laughs> dude, I, that took three minutes. I'm so weak. I can't even form a... This is, this is my point. So the reason why I want to cut down on cursing is because I, I like I feel so uneducated sometimes because like where I struggle is I like... Bad news. What? <laughs> we all are. We're all uneducated. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Yeah, we're all dumb. But like, yeah. the problem is like some people are dumb like I am yeah. but can still hold their own in conversations by mm-hmm. being like articulate and like being able to put together sentences and words, something my brain just can't do because I like – I one, I have like a murmur mouth. Like I stumble all the time. I pr- can't pronounce words as you guys know. And I, I just sound uneducated. So I make up for it by cursing, which makes me sound even more uneducated. So I'm just like – I'm trying to at least like get better with words and – Long story short, I'm not like I. I'm just I'm a stupid person. We have that's so much in common, which I think that's why we get along so well. I just that's literally why all three of us bounce off each other like it's rubber. Like it's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I say fuck way too much at work too. I'll be describing like a sales process, like yeah, that fucking guy, like nonstop, and I'm like talking to my boss. I'm like, okay, I gotta stop, man. I'm really... But do you know how many more sales you would close if it was okay and appropriate to say fuck in a corporate setting? I think if people, I, I think it's because I learned in the, in the field of psychology. Like I was told by multiple people, like when you're doing therapy and stuff like that, you got to curse. And be real, yeah. And don't fucking hold back. I just did it. Uh, don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't hold back. And I kind of bring that to the sales process sometimes. And I, I, I tell my, I tell my some of my customers, I'm like, just excuse my French as I go into this, please. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. And me, meanwhile, my whole thing is, if you grew up with a Jewish mother like I did, it's the only way for to survive. It's that simple. <laughs> Your cursing is for survival. Yeah, it, it's just like you, you just. I can just hear my mom already saying like my name at a very high pitched tone, and I just go. Oh. 
fuck me. <laughs> um, See, I had a very strict mom who, like, like if I swore around her, like, it would be, like, the end of days. So, like, it was one of those things where, like, if you tell me not to do something, I'm going to want to do it more because I'm a child and I'm an infant. And, like, I, I just learned that way. So, like, when I, was, when I was never around my parents, I'd be like, heck this, fuck that, shit this, you know, all this. And the minute I get home, I have to try to, like, conceal it. So, I think over time, I just built, like – like I built it up for so long. That's all I know how to do now is just curse. And I'm like, now I'll swear about my mom and it's okay. But like back then, I think the way I was raised, is like, don't swear, don't swear, don't swear. I was like, all I want to do is fucking swear now because you told me not to. I think so. because you said this to me, I'm going to try and do my best and not curse over the next couple of days. And by like day four, I'll be out of it. Not yeah, fun. just I, like I think that's what I'm trying to do is just see how long I physically can go before like I just like <laughs> fuck this. Thanks. I, I promise. I promise we're gonna get back to the Rangers in one second. But I have an important question for both of you. Do you guys remember the first time you ever swore in school, like accidentally in so, front of a teacher? No, but I remember coming home to my mom and being like, "Mom, I learned this thing at school today," and I put my middle finger up at her, and she was like, <laughs> "What the hell are you doing?" She's like, "You know what that means, right?" And then told me. But yeah, I don't remember cursing in school. Yeah, well, me either. Sure. I, I, I was seventh grade English class and we, he was uh, my teacher was asking me like how to spell it or like what's the definition of a certain word like clandestine or some stupid shit <laughs> a word you would never use outside of a seventh grade English class. And uh, I just remember like losing where I was in the moment. Going, I, I think I just looked at him and go, I don't fucking know. And he's like, you said what? I was like, oh, shit, my bad. And he's like, you're only making it worse. I was like, this is I'll just go. I'll leave <laughs> like, I, I think I literally I just took my stuff like left class and went to the principal's office. I was like, I'm not even, not even going to fight this one. I'll see you later. <laughs> All right. Rangers. Yeah. Uh, uh, Woj most, not, not the best player in your mind or, or could be the best player. Most surprising Rangers so far this season. Tanner Clunquist. It's no brainer. I don't care what anybody says. But it's always going to be surprising. By what he's doing. You don't have to go best. I'm saying this Rangers performance has surprised you the most. I still go Hank, and I'll give you my reasoning, is just because every year I get fed this narrative in the offseason. And again, I'm stupid and I'm dumb, but every year you get the narratives of somebody force-feeding it, being like, Henrik Lundqvist is getting older, and he has, you know, he's the last two seasons he's downgraded like from what he usually played to. And again, like the defense and the team that's been in front of him hasn't helped either, and the coach and like the system that they played. But like his numbers were down the last two years, like, far away from like where his where his like season average is so it's like yeah he's you know he, he's getting older and stuff like that happens then he comes out this year and he's just he's doing things that three even four years ago Henrik Lundqvist was doing that like honestly he shouldn't just because of his age and that's again because of the defense that's still in front of him I just still get impressed by him every night and I said this on our show too but like I'm such a Henrik Lundqvist like set like like sob phase right now where like all I want to do is watch Henrik Lundqvist play hockey and I, I just getting to the point where like I know his time is coming. It's like when you see and that feel really sad, but like when you know your dog's getting older and like he sometimes he struggles to get up that extra step on the stair and you got to give him a push on the ass. Looking at my like, dog right now, I, very sad. <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt about Hunter Glunk was going the season. I'm like, man, I know it's going to be tough for him. And like I, I and I wrote that boy. I was like, I, I really wonder if like he should have taken just that out and like nobody would have blamed him last year and nobody will still blame him this year. But like. I again, it's just that narrative that's been force fed to me of like, you know, Henrik Lundqvist is getting older and this is going to happen. It's inevitable. I mean, that's literally how people age. Like it's science. But uh, yeah, it's for me a tank. I just I, he, he's still making saves that he shouldn't. He's still playing as good as he has. And if you want like a forward, I guess the answer. I, I mean, actually, I'll give you a defenseman. I think Brendan Smith is having like a comeback season. Let's um, go. 
I think he's been arguably one of the more consistent players on the team through six, seven, eight games wherever we're in right now. Uh, he, hasn't been, he hasn't been phenomenal. I don't think he's been standout. But if you look at him compared to the rest of the defense, I think he makes far less mistakes than everybody. He's played physical, and I think he's done everything he's needed to in the time he's been given. So for me, it's Brendan Smith in terms of, of a skater, if you don't want me to pick Lundquist. I, I didn't fine. want you to pick Lundquist. That's why I made you say <laughs> someone else's name. Yeah, that's what he did. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just I just did this dance with David Wright, though. So I think I'm more prepared than most people are for your once great hero stepping away from the game. It's like, not anytime see, soon, guys. He's well, going to no, play like it's, four it's, more it's, years. <laughs> No. So the thing with David Wright, though, is it's so different because he hasn't played in so long. Like, I think everybody I mean, as much as fans loved him and that was tough to watch him go, it was I was like, I didn't even like flinch at the David Wright thing. I'm like, OK, yeah, it's way overdue. Like this, this should have happened two years ago and have been way more emotional. He just put like Lundquist is going to unless bargain knock on wood, like but like barring like a, an injury, he's going to play until the end of his career. Like he's going to have a last game where like it's not going to be planned where he has to come back and DH in like the last game of the season. You know what I'm saying like he's going to play until the end of his career hopefully and i so i think the, i think it's a two different thing he's so got I think, two more so, years on his contract and that's probably not the end of his career yes it is yeah i don't you think it is if he doesn't take a trade at the deadline to go anywhere else the rangers aren't going to extend him and i, I mean maybe for a year but I like he, i don't know i think there's no chance he's not playing in 2021 He's not playing for the Rangers, but I don't think he, he retires at all. So here's my point. Here's my question for you then is like, why? Like, why would he not just take a trade at the deadline last year or this year when he knows like it, they're not going to compete this year? So why wait another two, three years to try to compete in 2021 when he's going to be I, older? I don't you know, I don't think winning a cup is the most important thing to Henrik Lundqvist. Just playing hockey? Like, yeah, I, th- I think I think. Few athletes have loved living in New York as much as Henrik Lundqvist has. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about that for sure. I just I think I think Henrik is one of the smartest athletes we've ever had the opportunity to root for. It's kind of like I mean Jeter never had to cross this bridge because the Yankees were just never bad with him. Right. But Hank's got a whole brand that I think is central to being in New York for. Mm-hmm. And I just Fashion. he's won his gold he's won his gold medal. Yeah. He's won world championships. I don't think Henrik Henrik Lundqvist looks at the Stanley Cup like Ray Bork did. And yes. says he needs to go to St. Louis in order to get one. I think, I think Hank will obviously be upset if he doesn't win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. I don't think he's going to let that define himself. So I, I just I, he I, I think he's yeah, perfectly happy living in New York. I, I'll agree on that point where, like, I don't think it's the be-all, end-all for him. But I also don't think, like, to the point, like, I guess what I would say is, like, every year he gets older, like, you know, he's got to imagine that, you know, there's going to be a life for him after hockey. And the fact that somehow, like, whoever his agent and the fact that he doesn't have some kind of clothing line of his own is just banana land to me that nobody's jumped on that opportunity yet because people would eat that shit up. And And it's just the way it is. Yeah, like he's got. He, there is going to be a Henrik Lundqvist brand after the Rangers. There's no doubt about that. Like so, like I it, to me, it's like why take an extra year on a team? Like even if it's not the Rangers, like why take an extra year on the team and risk hurting that brand or that? You know, like and, and then it becomes his legacy at that point. It's like you know, does he want to be like the Mar- Martin Brodeur and go to a team and like try and like just one last hoorah and but like and not be the guy who wore his one team sweater for his entire career. Like, cause he, to me, he's a hell of famer, which I honestly think we're like, to your point, Greg, where I think it actually is probably more important to him. And it's not a selfish thing. It's just like, he probably realized, yeah, you know what? I'm probably not going to be a Stanley cup champion, but I'm going to play the best hockey I can while they're at my contract and become a hall of famer. Like, cause he, I, in my opinion, he's a hall of famer. No doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, and I, yeah. So I think it, that might be more important to him. We're like, you know, I'm going to just continue to play the best hockey I can and do what I can while I still have time on the ice. And 
It'll, we'll see. But I don't know. I, I I disagree. I don't think he'll be in the, the ice after the Rangers contract. I, I'd be so if, if he did. It, I think it would still be with the Rangers, though. I think they would sign him to like a one year deal. Like if the if the if Prince Igor comes over and like you know they don't feel like he's ready, give him Lundqvist another year and just kind of ride the wave from that. I think they're gonna. I think Igor's coming over next year. He'll be get a lot of backup time, and then I, I just I just don't see at the end of his career like he's, he's gonna be thirty nine that year. I just feel like yeah. he's gonna go out and be like, okay, I can play a cup two more years. Like I'm still really good. Do you think you go to the West? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, which I which which would be best case scenario? I, I'm I'm with I'm with Woj where I don't think he's not gonna play for another team beyond the New York Rangers. Yeah, that's so, what I think. That's what I, I don't. Feels. I think he's got another contract coming, but I, I agree that I think it's of the one-year deal variety. And I just – I can't – he's been given too many outs for him to all of a sudden after in two years when he's 39 to say, yeah, okay, I'll go now. Like if yeah. Hank wants to go, now's the time. And I think Hank knows that. But I just – I think Hank would actually be honored to like pass the torch on to the next great team. I think – Yeah. I think Hank personally would think that actually helps his – Legacy long term. Legacy. Um, yeah. I, I don't I don't see him putting on another team's jersey. If he does well, if he does, he has to be traded in my mind this year. Because if you're yeah, another 100%. team getting Henrik Lundquist, you need him for two playoffs. And my, my thing is like I, I even put this in my blog, but like if he does take that out and go on the trade deadline, um, and he doesn't win. Like, let, let's say, like, he goes go to like a Dallas and like Dallas, you know, a team who even last year, so I just uh, hypothetically, he could have went last year when they were having goaltender goal issues when Bishop was out. If he goes to Dallas, it was a pretty good team. They would have made the playoffs had Hank joined at the deadline because they would have won a few, like, a couple more games to get them in. And who knows, like, if he doesn't do well in the playoffs with Dallas with a really good team in front of him, does he then become the guy who just can't win anywhere? And it hurts his like goalie legacy because he had two, let's say, let's call it, that's two really good chances with the Rangers to win the cup. 2014 and 2015 and they didn't get it done either year and if he goes to dallas or like anaheim or another team who's looking for a goaltender and he just can't win with a team who's far better and has like far more superstars than the rangers ever have had and then you know then he just becomes a goalie it's like henrik lundquist was trying to ring chase he couldn't do it and then he just becomes a goalie who can't win anywhere which sucks because like if you're a rangers fan and he does do that you know rangers fan will defend him to the end of the earth but like hockey fans are going to eat him alive Will hockey fans are eating him alive? I feel like Henrik is like one of those yes. players that has universal respect. Who and he has universal respect because he's a New York Ranger and only a New York Ranger. Yeah. The minute he leaves, it's like, oh, that's sad. Yeah. The, as, as great as Henrik's been, one of the best things that happened to Hank is, has there ever been a playoff loss we blamed on Hank? No. The fucking defense has no. sucked for five or years. Could, or like game five of the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. They just couldn't score. Like, yeah. it's, it's things like that. It is. It has never been, and it, rightfully so, it has never been Henrik Lundqvist's fault. But to Woj's point, he opens himself up to unwarranted criticism by going somewhere else. The last two years, the Rangers made the playoffs. We all said, this team can't defend for shit, and they're leaving Henrik Lundqvist out to dry. So we, it's never, it, by me saying it's never been Hank's fault, that's not me trying to say it was ever Hank's fault. I'm just saying there's one market where Henrik Lundqvist will be immune or should be immune to criticism no matter what he does, and it's New York. And I think he's smart enough to know that. So, And at the same time, this goes back to which team, one, has the space to get Hank, and two, really needs Hank. The day I see Henrik Lundqvist wearing a Philadelphia Flyers jersey, I'm murdering 16 people and then taking myself out too. 
Yeah, no, I'd have to take myself out. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sitting down to watch Henrik Lundqvist play in Philadelphia. I'm really excited to read both your eulogies. It's like thrilling <laughs> for me. Like I've always wanted to do that. My, <laughs> like, my, my, my eulogy will read. literally. My <laughs> eulogy will literally say this is Philadelphia's fault, and like those would be the only words. Hey, Bush for Breakfast. Welcome to Greg's funeral. I am your host, Ryan Mead. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's exactly how I would do that in case anyone was wondering. Um, yeah, take advantage. Yeah, I had to. I, I didn't think about this that all Greg's the time. This is Greg's death sponsored by SeatGeek. Humble <laughs> <laughs> Crow deceased but- at Cheka. <laughs> I want to I say something like Ryan wouldn't be invited to your fu- my funeral, but I'm also dead, so I'm pretty sure I have no say. Yeah, I would definitely yeah. be there. Yeah, 100%. I, I would expect the same for you, by the way. If it, was, if it was the other way, reversed, you would have to do it. What, at your funeral? Yeah. Well, it had to be convenient for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, now that we've got sponsors for our funerals, that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah, again, Henrik Lundqvist, I still think he plays. You guys make a lot of good points, but I just see it's so hard for me to see such a great put down the game. Um, if I had to tell you next year, Woj, that we wouldn't be in a top five pick, would you be surprised? No, not at all. Okay, because I, I think we're going eighth. Go ahead. I think we're going eighth no matter what happens. I think we accidentally fall to the eighth spot. No matter what we do, it's predetermined, and it's just it's just the luck we live with. So, but here's my thing: is like, so you're talking for like the next draft, Correct. right? Yeah, all the way. So, how many other picks do you think we're gonna have? Because there's no chance they're hanging on to some of these guys at the deadline. Like Hayes is gone. Like that was a foregone conclusion when he signed that contract. Yeah, he's gone. But like, so like, realistically, so let's, obviously the fan base we pissed and upset because in their heads we're like entitled to that first three picks in the draft. Like that's just how Rangers fans are because we're not used to being in the situation we're in. Mm-hmm. Realistically, would you guys both be upset if we did get that predetermined eighth pick? Which you're right. Like that just seems like such a New York Rangers spot to get anywhere from seven to nine. Just like that we're, screams. We're, good. New York we're already there. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, and then they get another, let's say they get another first from any type of trade. So they have, let's say they add an, an additional two second round picks and additional first round pick. Do you really care that we don't have a top five pick to that point? Like, are you really that, that upset? Well, I think you're getting another first round pick from Matt Zuccarello. I think it's a matter of when. You not think if. he's gone for sure? I, I, yeah, I think I Zuccarello's more gone than Hayes. Uh, really? Yeah. I think they're both I, gone. I don't. I'm. I'm. Hayes well, I'm, might be a guy they might actually just let walk. Like I think they're gonna. What? I, I think they're gonna run the clock out on Kevin Hayes. You don't think even? I think you could at least get a second or third from him, unless you don't package him with something else. I I I think Jeff Gordon is sitting there. He's like he, Filipino's 19 years old. Uh, he's not exactly breaking down the door. I'm not saying he should be, but right, I think right. Jeff Jeff Gordon is watching everything Filipino do. Struggling as a 19-year-old, which is also why Hedl's going to stay in the NHL this entire year and not get slid. Yeah, yeah. He's looking at Hedl and being like, eh, you know, I could keep Hayes for a couple more years just to be safe. Because even if you re-sign Hayes, as long as you're not giving him the movement clause, he's movable whenever, right? Because some other team would have just signed him to that five-year deal. So I, I think if, if you are just cool running the clock out on Hayes and trying to sign him as a free agent, I, I, I think you're okay. I think Zook, in my mind, is the one guarantee. And then it all kind of trickles. Zook and McQuaid are the two guys where if it's fe- if March 1st and they're still on the Rangers, I'm asking a lot of questions. I'm not asking as many questions about Kevin Hayes. I think really? everyone's on the block, Ryan. I, I think it's yeah, like so – I, I. I think because of Benajad's on the block. I think Chris Kreider's on the block. Everything like I've heard and read from the organization it feels like it's it's – 
we're not even starting the rebuild yet. Like this is year one of what is a lengthy process. Yeah, people were saying last year was year one. It's like no, no, no. That was the announcement that this is year one. Yes. Like this is this is the first year. Like we got lucky in having the draft picks we did last year. But yeah, no, this is this is year one I of think the rebuild. Everyone is available. Brandon Smith, yeah. Kevin Shadkirk, Chris Kreider, Mika Zabinajad. I think you could Buchnevich could be traded for the right price. Like I think the only people that are untouchable right now is like Heedle, Howden, and Leas. That's it. And Kraftstoff. Yeah, Kraftstoff. I was I was counting people that are over here now, but yeah, I don't, uh, and, I don't even and, think Leas is untouchable. I don't see the Rangers trading Artemi Panarin anytime soon either. So I was. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to get a little skeptical about that. Also, just from well, like, you're fucking nuts. Why are you getting skeptical about it? I, uh, state, just, your, state your case. Just everything I've been reading. That I mean, some things that Rick Carpone- about what Carponello said, and like I just like it, I don't know if the, the it seems like more of a long term dynasty build than a kind of fix now get Artemi Panarin a year from now build. Yeah. It feels Artemi like Panarin, he's a long-term piece though. Are you trying to make the argument that Artemi Panarin is just a win now player? No, I'm where not. Do we, where do we draw the line on win now players? If Artemi Panarin is only that, do you have to be under the age of 25 in order for this team to want to acquire you and be good for four years? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, he'll, he'll be 27, which is fine. And I mean, we'll, we'll sign him for 10 years, eight years, whatever. Um, it, I just don't think he'll end up being... I, I'm starting to doubt it more and more, despite us breaking it on the show, yes. <laughs> well, I'm, I will be glad when you're wrong again. That'd be really fun for me. Again? I'm actually on, I'm on Team Ryan on this one. What? Yeah, sorry, Greg. Why well, I, 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 you? I honestly was like never big on Team Artemi Panarin. Not because I didn't want him. Not because I didn't want him. But just because it's always just like a, it's it's again, this is how like Rangers Twitter has ruined me is because every time like a big free agent or some big name becomes available in some way, shape or form, Rangers fans just automatically assume our name is attached to him. And unfortunately, with Panarin, like our name is attached to him. So it made the hype and the speculation even worse. But, yeah, no, I, I just don't think that the Rangers seem it to be necessary to you know unload where like if he is a free agent next year. Yeah, go ahead and throw the bag at him. But. I, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think the the connections and all the things that everybody's saying, like, I still think he's in Columbus next year with a new contract. I, I honestly do. I'm going to I'm going to table all that because you said something interesting that I did want to bring up with you and you reminded me of it. And that was the whole Rangers Twitter making someone feel like available and making it seem like the Rangers are there. Let's talk about Nylander. That is my, my bad. Some of, the, <laughs> some of the people deciding that the Rangers were definitely trading for Nylander because they had two scouts in Toronto. That is some of the dumbest shit that I've ever heard of in my entire life. You Whoa. can't scout a guy in Toronto if he's in fucking Switzerland. Well, Dubas was at the Rangers game yesterday or two days yeah, ago. Yeah, so. he's at the Flyer games now, so right yeah. now as we're recording. Also, I, they're, they're, first of all, if the Rangers and Maple Leafs are working on a trade, it doesn't involve Nylander. If anything, no. it's the Maple Leafs maybe possibly thinking to themselves, all right, if Nylander's not going to sign with us this year, I need to go get a winger that can actually play here. Cough, cough, Matt Zuccarello, cough, cough. Second, um, if Watch the it. Rangers are working on a trade with the Maple Leafs, and the, you're not getting Nylander and something else, so there's no reason to scout a Maple Leafs game. Third, uh, Dubas is a fucking nerd. He likes hockey. Yeah, he's a, he's a loser. You know who lives in New York? Nylander's agent. Yeah. You know who Dubas probably had, had a meeting with today and actually did have a meeting with today? Nylander's agent. You know when uh, Dubas probably got into town? This weekend. You know what he just probably wanted to do while he was there? Go to a game at Madison Square Garden. Those were just things that Kyle Dubas probably wanted to do. It, it has nothing to do with the Rangers. He probably went to a library, too. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's a memory. I've got a, a book on hockey history. Yeah, go on. So I agree with Greg. A lot of the points you just made, I really yeah, do, especially especially the agent one. So my thinking is he kind of has to have known that maybe they're getting close with Nylander. So if Nylander does come in, maybe and they still need help on defense because that team is just so piss poor defensively. What about like Kapanen coming over? Like they're like we ha- we we're gonna have to sacrifice something. You know something has to give. If Nylander, they do think they're close to a, a deal with Nylander. You know the Rangers have a lot of defensive prospects. Like you said, we just talked about everybody's on the table. It, what if it's still? What if there is a realistic chance for a trade? You know it's not gonna be Nylander. Like that was again like he, the fact that people thought there were people were sending scouts to go south. Some guy was in Sweden or Switzerland where the hell he's training. It's just so absurd, but it's so fun to speculate like that. But what if that is still like a possibility for a trade? Like, I, I well, know he is a nerd. Like, he loves hockey, just, but like, yeah, I just, I, I think the Rangers and Leafs are talking trade, and I definitely think it involves someone on the Rangers and not Nylander on the Leafs. I just, right. I, I don't think if Kyle Dubas is smart enough, where he's looking at the Rangers, and if his biggest deficiency is defense, he's not knocking on our door because the Brady only Shea. player that if if I'm <laughs> if I'm Dubas, the only player I'm thinking of trading for is Brady, Brady Shea, Shea. Yeah. and the price tag on Brady Shea if you're the Rangers. <laughs> Should be astronomical. Uh, I'm not saying yeah. that he's untouchable. I'm just saying you just extended him for a long time, and he's currently playing his best hockey in the NHL. So if yeah. you're going to move Brady Shea, make it worth our while. I I really think if there's a connection between the Rangers and the Leafs, it's the Leafs thinking of backup plans for Nylander not coming over because Zook is suspect number one. Uh, Kreider is high on that list too. Those. Those are guys where the Leafs are clearly wanting to win this season. Uh, and yeah. in order for them to win this season without Nylander, I, I know they're scoring goals in bunches right now. That will dry up sooner or later. So you need to just keep yeah. giving yourself more options. If the right. Rangers are talking trade, in my mind, his name is Matt Zuccarello. And if I'm the Rangers, I'm hoping Andreas Johnson's coming back. I would love to watch Matt Zuccarello on the Leafs. Like, I know a lot of people would piss their pants, but he's so good with the puck now. And he would go to a team where he doesn't have to have a shoot first mentality. You'd literally bring him on and tell him, you probably don't even have to shoot it if you're not in a position. Like, if you're not dead open, like open net, empty net goal, you don't shoot the puck. You literally just get the puck to all of our superstars. And, like, he's done, Zuccarello's done so well doing that in his career with the Rangers with having zero superstars, and you put him on a team with, like, just absolute nasty players. That'll be so fun to watch. And I don't even care if you're, like, a diehard fan of Matt Zuccarello. You should be happy for him that he's going to play his best hockey if he goes to Toronto, and he's going to have a blast doing it probably. Yeah, and also just think, if you guys, I'm not saying you directly, but I'm saying guys like you, who are skeptical that Artemi Panarin is going to help this team long term? The fuck you keeping Matt Zuccarello for? Yeah, he's got he's got maybe maybe three years left at the tail. Like he's already at the tail end of his prime. You're hoping best case scenario you're getting three more seasons like this. There's no reason for the Rangers to keep Matt. Young Zuccarello. man's game these days. It's, he's he's 31 right now. He'll you know obviously this is this. He's 31. Yeah, man. Woo. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we're old. Yeah, no, trade him. <laughs> he gone. Yeah, I think no. everyone ends up going. Um, Brian, this has been shorter than we usually do, but and more serious than we usually do. We talked zero, not like, mostly know. zero. I nonsense. was just thinking, like, well, fuck, we're out of time, but we did. I just cursed again. God damn it. Um, we did zero nonsense. We're gonna have to have you back on for a full nonsense area because I was gonna say I wanted to do before I went. What's a fun mouth sound word you know? Like for me, it's pumpernickel. Excuse me? Oh, <laughs> moist. Moist is a good one. 
moist. Pupperdick is fun your, to say. Your mouth, gets, your mouth gets wetter as you say moist. I, I, my, the back of my throat is welling up right now as I say moist. <laughs> I feel the saliva and, building. And at least six to seven people who are listening to this now will have just cringed the list yeah. in their seats. Yeah. Like, oh, Brian's saying moist. Moist. <laughs> moist. Greg, any thoughts before we go? I'm a big hodgepodge guy. Ooh, I That's love a a hodgepodge. That's Hodge, a good one. Hodge, hodgepodge is great just because it sounds like you're just being a condescending asshole when really you're saying something extremely smart. Ooh, hodgepodge. Hooligan's another good one. I just like the way hooligan sounds. Yeah, that's a good one too. All right. Uh, I, I like alliteration hodgepodge. also. Alliteration. <laughs> All right, we're out of here. But uh, Brian, come back on soon and we'll do fucking nonsense. God damn. Okay. Anytime. Seriously, I, I, none of these curses <laughs> are- long. None of these curses are on purpose. All right, man. We're out of here. Greg, go to bed. Love you all. Bye. Bye. And we're back. Always a pleasure having Brian on the show. What a, what a real chap he is. A chap? He's a good, good guy. I don't know if you're waiting for me to say something in that moment. No, but no he's, not, he's not at all. I was going a chap and it felt weird. Um, let's quickly go to the, the Mets GM search before we end this podcast. Sure. I have thoughts. Yeah, go for it. So for those not paying attention, the Mets have three candidates remaining, and they couldn't be more diverse in uh, their background. They have your 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 guy, or well, who was your guy, um, Chaim Bloom, mm-hmm. the like vice president of player operations in Tampa Bay. Yep, uh, a, played a big role in everything that makes up the Rays roster construction right now. Very in- interesting candidate. Very young, would surely be an outside the box thinker than what the Mets have been accustomed to. So obviously, you know that's the way I'd be leaning. I, I, I lean that way as well. Um, if I had a second choice, uh, the next guy is Brody Van Word. Uh, B, BVW, as I will call him henceforth. Couldn't, couldn't be more opposite of that. He's literally a power agent. He's got Cespedes. He's got DeGrom. He's got Tebow. Um, so the Mets clearly have a relationship with him. I am super intrigued by the possibility of a power agent being a general manager. Who else knows players better than agents who else knows how to negotiate contracts than agents um i would hope that bvw would put a staff around him that kind of understands more of the nitty-gritty baseball aspect of it but when it comes to player management i i I don't know if there would be a better candidate and then there's the guy who the mets are gonna hire who's boring as fuck bob melvin so it's going to be Melvin. It's 100% going to be Melvin. I can tell you right now it's going to be Melvin. How do you feel about that? Because I would hate that. Not great. Um, I don't know. The only way I would kind of like it, if the Mets hire him to be like the president of baseball operations and then still hire Bloom, I would really like that. Because then you have you have your old-time baseball guy who can do whatever he wants to do. And then you have your analytic thinker who's taking the old guy to be like, look, I understand what you're saying about X. But I got to explain to you why you need to go with Y. Like, I, I think that relationship could work. Um, that's not the way the Mets are going to do it, though. They're just going to bring in Melvin, and they're going to be like, look what he did with the Brewers, blah, blah, blah. And he's done some nice things with the Brewers. Uh, he, he was there for the hater trade. He was there for the Knebel trade. Um, he's, he's done a lot of good. It's just it's a, it's a very different game now than it was when Melvin was last truly in charge of a baseball team. Uh, and it, it sure seems like the Mets are going to be very comfortable with just going with the old school network of how things work. And it's a bummer because even those be Alderson so, was old. Sorry, I was trying to interrupt, but like, I'd be so pissed if I was you and like, 
when a guy who's sitting there and you you saw the Rays this year, their over under was like sixty three wins or something like that. Well, yeah, that team I, competed, and that that is a guy who just finds diamonds in the rough, is used to playing with a limited budget, and is finding and and helping teams compete and finding prospects, and that's the guy you'd like you want to give a shot to, give him the keys and see what he could do. Well, it, I, again. Even if they didn't go with Bloom and they went with BVW, I'd be 100% in for that because you, that that couldn't be more different than what most baseball teams do. And I am all in on different. Different is fun. Different is – it's a new way to look at shit. And if the Mets are going to go completely different, either the young analytics guy or literally the super agent, who, by the way, um, if he isn't hired as your GM, you better let him down nice because you have to negotiate a contract extension with uh, National League MVP Jacob deGrom. Uh, I'm, I'm here for that. It's different. It, it, you're trying something new, right? You're, if you're going to fail, at least fail down a different road. Don't keep failing down the same street you've been driving down for the last 10 years. And that's what Bob Melvin is. If, if, the Met, if, if you're trying to inspire your fan base and be like, this guy is different, he's not fucking different. He's literally the same guy. He just has a different fucking name. Yeah, I'd be super disappointed. And I'm sorry, that's probably the way it's going. You know what? It, honestly... The thing that pisses me off the most is if the Mets really want to try and sell me on Bob Melvin, just fucking give the job back to Omar Minaya and lie. Like, don't lie to me. Like, if you're going to hire Bob Melvin, I just, I, if I'm going to be angry, just bring back Omar and I at least have that anger already stored. Like, I don't want to create new anger. Just let me let me be angry at a guy I know I can be angry at already instead of – it was always going to be Bob Melvin. And that – honestly, I think the reason why you and I haven't talked more about the GM search – um. We talked a ton about the Mets manager search last year and how interesting it was for me. We haven't talked about the GM search because it's going to be Bob Melvin. It's just so fucking boring. Like, I, I, I don't know what else to say about it. The Mets are going to suck. Like, <laughs> it fucking sucks. Like, the Mets are going to suck because they're not going to have a creative guy at the helm. The only way the Mets can be good is if they get a creative guy at the helm. Bloom's creative. BVW is creative. Bob Melvin, boring, most boring fucking man in America. I mean, he did a great job with the A's. It's just like... Did he do a great job with the A's? I'm not sure he did. Billy Bean, this is kind of Billy Bean's thing. Yeah, and also, are you thinking of, like, the manager, Melvin? Are we talking about the same guy? Oh, I was for a second. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so stupid. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're not smart. Was I talking about the wrong guy? <laughs> this no, I'm talking about the right guy. You're talking – there's another Melvin, and he's the manager of the A's. That's now, that'd be outside the box thinking, too. I was like, wait a second. That's that, I was about to say, that's actually a pretty good deal. And now I'm looking no, at the actual Bob no, Melvin, no. and I still feel six, bad six, for you. Six-year-old Bob fucking Melvin is who I'm talking about. Yeah, I still feel bad for you. Yeah, you should. It's fucking terrible. Great. Wonderful. Awesome. Uh, excited for the Mets to sign, like, fucking... I don't even... I've already... I, you know who the Mets are? Like, this is a perfect encapsulation of what Bob Melvin's going to fucking do, and I'm already angry about it. The Mets need relief help this offseason, right? Yep. So I can guarantee you... The guy the Mets are going to sign is fucking Brad Boxberger. And everyone's going to be like, oh, no, he had those great years with the Rays. Blah, 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 blah. And then just like ignore his year and a half in Arizona where he sucked the big dick. Was not great. Closed the year uh, and was like almost on the edge of being not being a closer like 90. But, but everyone will be like, oh, no, he's a perfect rebound candidate. He's got a good track record. All he needs is a different scenery, blah, 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 blah. You don't want to know what he's going to do? Him and Swarzak are going to throw competing 560 ERAs next year. And I'm going to be like, we're going to have this conversation in October again. And we're going to be talking about how the Mets need fucking bullpen help. Because that's the one thing holding them back. Because it's the one fucking thing holding... Uh, it's not the one thing holding them back. It's the biggest thing holding them back. The fact that they have one reliever. Um, and that one reliever doesn't even want to be a reliever. That's great. 
The Mets need a whole fucking bullpen. They need a fucking catcher. Um, and then uh, what else do we need, Ryan? Yeah. It'd be nice if we had a first baseman. Well, we have a first baseman. He's, he's not going to play. He's not going to play. Peter Alonso. Uh, it'd be nice if we had like an actual center fielder, but it's not going to happen because no, once one Juan Lagares is once again just going to be the guy. Before we get Only out of here, I do want to ask you: uh, Are you going to watch the World Series? Do you have any rooting interest? Um, I'm a, I, as you can imagine, I'm a big fuck the Red Sox guy. <laughs> because of all your years rooting for the race. Uh, I, I I will admit, though, I really do enjoy watching Mookie Best play baseball. He's absolutely incredible. I do love I do love Mookie Best. Second best Mookie to ever play the game. Um, behind he, Mookie Wilson of Mets lore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, did, I didn't watch any of last year's World Series, and it was one of the greatest World Series of all time. It was. You're right. I, I mean, I would love to say I'll watch Kershaw on sale. Honest truth is, these games start too late for me, man. Yeah, that's so I'll true. probably You're right. the the good news is I have weekends off. So if if there's a if there's a couple weekend games, I'll, I might watch the weekend games. But if you think I'm going to stay up at until eight thirty on a Tuesday night yeah. when I have to get up at two thirty right. the next morning, right. I'm not going to. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I I want I don't want the Red Sox to win, but I'm also not like yeah Dodgers. I really don't. Is who's on, I don't know who I would like on the Dodgers as a person. Like who Kershaw really, to get a ring. I like Kershaw. Yeah, sure. He's a generational talent. But outside like Bellinger, I, I like Bellinger, but he's like uh, that's it. It's like Bellinger you're, you're, and Kershaw. You're not a big Justin Turner guy. I'm not. I never have been. What about bitches on my Jack? Nah, I, I think Jock Peterson's overrated. I I I am still entertained by Puig. I just think, um, I, I hate that I like more people on the Red Sox, but I hate the Red Sox. I I like chaos, as you know. Yes. Uh, we know enough Yankee fans where I think I'd be more smitten by a Red Sox win, but I'd be lying to you if I if I said I I don't really care. I I think it would be funny if Kershaw and Price faced off with each other, and I bet the over and then crush the over. Like that's what I would love to do. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it feels like the Dodgers are due. It even though that sounds funny. It does it's feel just, funny. Like it, it's like the it's the not ghost of Tommy Lasorda because he's still alive. Yeah, but they haven't won since '88. Just feels like destiny. They should have even fucking won in '88. I don't want to get in the Mets. That was another year the Mets should have won a fucking World Series and they didn't. Nope. All right, let's get out of here. I love you guys. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Blue Shirts Break. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Orion Mead and also uh, on Instagram at Blue Shirts Breakaway. Love you. Bye. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC.